Hi everyone, Anthony Fantano here, internet's busiest music nerd, and you are listening to another episode of the Needle Drop Podcast. In this episode, it's, it's I, I say every episode's a special episode, but this one's special to me because it deals directly with what I do. It's a very meta episode. How to review an album. What is my process? What is the process generally uh, when going about reviewing a, a musician's new record? Um, and I would like to try to address this, but I felt like doing it simply by myself wouldn't quite make sense because I feel like there are so many different approaches and uh, uh, viewpoints on this issue. And uh, not to assume that I'm going to get through all of them today in this one episode. This could, in fact, be a part of an ongoing series. But I hope in this uh, new podcast to kind of scratch the surface of that uh, with the first of what is going to be my two guests in this episode. Uh, Zoe Camp is an up-and-coming music writer who has written for a myriad of different publications, including The Fader and Pitchfork and, um, God, I'm, I'm forgetting all of them. I think, yeah, Spin, Tiny Mixtapes, Whomever Will Have Me. I'll just that. <laughs> so, and... I've caught a lot of Zoe's writing and I enjoy what she writes. I enjoy her perspectives on things. And I figured uh, not only would she be able to give a good perspective on the process of how to go about creating an album review, but being a younger reviewer, uh, I feel like you would probably be able to give some more relatable perspectives to my relatively young audience who kind of have questions about how exactly do you, you know, kind of start out uh, with doing what you do. Um, So, you know, having said all that, Thanks for coming on and talking with me about all this stuff. Hey, thanks for having me. I mean, I I was uh, watching your show back in uh, 2010, so I was one of the people who are probably listening to this right now. So it's really cool to come full circle, and I'm uh, I'm just uh, really humbled to be here. No problem. Um, and and that that humbles me as well to sort of think that people have been <laughs> watching me and listening to me for that long. But it, it it next this I think at the end of this year it will be ten years of the needle drop in some way, shape, or form because it started out as a podcast. So it's it's kind of ten years old at this point, which is kind of weird to think. Um, because I'm yet to really kind of give myself a moment to breathe and think about how all of it happened. Uh, but to just kind of get right into the conversation, uh, let's say. You are at the, uh, the, 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 the top of uh, your very ritzy Brooklyn high-rise apartment. You're <laughs> sipping a, um, you know, you're sipping a Merlot. Um, you're eating a panini. You know, maybe you're, you're reading, um, you know, something, something really deep, something really profound. And then on the ledge comes down a, uh, a carrier pigeon with a message. And you, you take that message off the carrier pigeon. It's a note. It's a uh, it's a it's a hand scrawled note from Ryan Schreiber. It is a uh, uh, it's an assignment. You have to cover the the brand new Flaming Lips album that just dropped out of the blue. The deadline is what at the end of the week or something. So you've got to get to work on it. You've got to get started right away. And also attached to the carrier pigeon is a USB of the album. So you you you've got it all right there. So you've got to get to work. What is step one of the process? How exactly do you begin you know is it just plain listening to the record do you do some research are you lighting some candles like what is the start what is step one of your process what i usually do first whenever i get an album if it's by an artist that i'm not familiar with i definitely you want to do a deep dig and find out as much as you can about them and uh, look over their discography that's why discogs is like a music writer's best friend Mm. helps you get a better idea of like their entire discography as a whole 
And if I even if I have heard them, I'm usually going to take another listen to like my favorite records of theirs just to kind of get an idea of their career as a whole and try to trying to kind of situate it because one of the first things that your job is as a critic is to be able to write about these albums and you can be familiar with all the stuff an artist has done but the reader might not so you're kind of trying to kind of give exposition in a way kind of like that dude always in all those anime fights in any like any anime there's all some guy <laughs> the exposition about like oh mm-hmm. this is their superpower da, 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 da. so yeah got it yeah, yeah ex- explaining what's going on before it's about to happen or something yeah pretty much so I yeah. a lot to my, have to kind of figure that out myself before I get started. But then, so that's even before you start listening to it. You'd yeah, say, just trying to mm. kind of get yourself grounded in it before you start listening. Okay, so you're kind of doing some research on you know their past records, trying to potentially you know prepare yourself for any kind of connections to stuff they've put out in the past, uh, as far as like their previous mm-hmm. material and what is going to be kind of their ongoing artistic evolution. Um, what's going through your mind, and you know just to, before I ask this question that that's very similar for me as well um i will say though i do kind of do a lot of things on top of each other you know i may be listening to the new record while simultaneously doing that sort of research and looking back into their older stuff and uh you know going on websites like discogs i go on rate your music or wikipedia or something like that you know those are sort of my resources as well Mm -hmm. but once you actually put the record on sort of what's your mindset um you know do you try to get all that stuff done that you were just talking about beforehand so that when you put the record on it's only the record and nothing else is happening oh i mean i wish i had the time to do that but a lot of times i like you i'm multitasking so i'm looking at a discogs page or the rate your music page while i'm listening to something um Mm. but i think the best way is in terms of like listening to an album is to do it in a bunch of different contexts so you're gonna want to sit down and listen to the album without any distractions but you're probably also going to want to listen to it if you have a car while you're driving listen to it while you're walking play it when you have people over kind of just see how they react it's your opinion but everybody experiences music in different ways everybody has a different listening process and a lot of people i think view music as a social kind of activity too oh absolutely experience it in different settings to kind of see how it holds up as a whole you know what i mean yeah i mean that's that's kind of similar for me as well i mean i will admit um i'm not quite having as many uh uh, <laughs> listening parties with albums these days. Uh, a lot of what I do is sort of more focused uh, where I'm living and just kind of my family life and everything. But, um, you know, it's very true. Uh, I'm listening to this kind of either on headphones, you know, I give it a shot on the stereo so I can hear it sort of in a louder, sort of more panoramic kind of sense, uh, listening to it in the car, listening to it just kind of on my small headphones on a run, listening to it on bigger headphones in the gym or something like that. Um, you know, hitting up other people who I may not have listened to the record with personally, but I know have heard the record or I know are into the record. And I'm just like, you know, what did you think about this? You know, did, did you give a listen to this? Uh, you know, and that's especially the case if it's kind of like a high profile album, you know, if it's sort of something that is a, a little bit more of a personal favorite of mine, you know, I feel a little bit more comfortable kind of taking just sort of a, a bit of a solo venture on it as far as like what my personal experience is. But, you know, you do kind of want to check in with other people, especially if it's like a, a record a lot of people are listening to. Just kind of be like, what did you think of this track? Or am I like sort of off base when I say that like 
God, this song is awful. You know, it just like hit me really bad. It just like hit me in this really raw, ugly way. But then, you know, maybe once you get uh, an opinion from another person who, who I guess, whose perspective you trust, um, you know, it could kind of change the way that uh, that you feel about it, which, you know, I, I would like to say um, isn't necessarily a bad thing as a critic. I guess it's just uh, important that you be conscious of when that happens and be conscious of you know, who, who you're letting in. I mean, before I put out a review and I'm sure you are as well, I'm careful not to read any reviews, you know, but there are certainly people who I trust personally, who I will ask for what their thoughts on a particular record are before I say what I think about it, just to kind of make sure that what, what I'm saying is making sense. Oh, definitely. And to be clear here, when I'm also talking about like having listening parties, I don't mean <laughs> if an album, if you are lucky enough to get like, you know, an album promo, that's really for your ears only. I'm, uh, but you know, sometimes like if an album just comes out, like you said, a big one, I'll like listen to it. Like if I happen to be visiting home for the weekend, vi- play it for my parents because my dad, uh, he was a music critic in his college days at Ohio State, and um, he's one of the people I respect the most when it comes to music. So sometimes I do that, but at the same time, you really. You're right. When you say don't read other reviews, you kind of need to do it on your own, because otherwise, if we're all like writing criticism relative to what other people are generally thinking, then it's kind of just becomes an echo chamber and it's pointless. Yeah. Uh, To sort of ask a slightly personal question off of what you just said, does your father keep up with a lot of contemporary stuff as well? You know, are you able to kind of bounce ideas off of him? And he's like, oh, I I think A, B or C. Oh, 100 percent. He uh. He collects all the 33 and a third books. So I remember oh. in school, I would go home and just like read over because he's he's always ordering albums off Amazon in terms of modern stuff. I mean, I'm trying to think the most recent modern band that he that he bought. He got the Kurt Vile record, I know. And I think he's into Mat- everything on Matador. I think labels for a lot of people, uh, labels are uh, I think also a considerable sign of whether or not something's like worth your attention or not. But yeah. Yeah. Labels are definitely kind of playing a bit of a boutique kind of curation sort of role these days. I think more than ever, you know, it's, it's almost like a, with, with everybody being able to put their music out on the internet, it's kind of like a seal of approval in a sense. Yeah. It sets certain levels of expectations too. Because you, it's all, you know, it can all be connected to hype and whatnot. I mean, let's not forget that car seat headrest before he got to Matador, that was all because people were talking him up um, online. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and that's uh, that's another thing, sort of the uh, the, the grassroots, um, I guess, uh, uh, kind of hype that artists can now build up through platforms like SoundCloud, through SoundCloud and Bandcamp and sort of uh, how interested record labels are in kind of capitalizing on that because to sort of sign on an artist who basically has no name brand recognition whatsoever uh, before you've kind of brought them on can be a really tough sell, even if you are a label that does have some credibility. Um, You know, if you can grab onto an artist like Car Seat Headrest, they've already done so much of the legwork for you in terms of being able to spread the word uh, about about that particular artist. Yeah, definitely. You know, to go off of another thing that you were saying and kind of get back onto the review track, uh, you know, you made a quick mention of promos, which I think is worth mentioning that, um, especially for big, big albums, like as reviewers, we are seeing less and less and less of them. Like a lot of us are hearing the album when, in fact, you guys hear the album when it drops either on iTunes or yeah. it drops on Spotify or it drops on Apple Music or whatever. Um, for you personally, as a reviewer, 
has that sort of made your job a little bit more difficult that you got to kind of come out with this review in a very timely fashion? You know, um, uh, how many days do you feel like you actually have? Because, I mean, once an album comes out, that's pretty much the end of the hype cycle, you know, for the most part. Like you if that album has come out and there's there's been no promo for it. Uh, and your review is not out the day that the album comes out, like you have to have that review out. You have to have that takeout in the next several days or else nobody's even going to be looking for a review anyway. So, you know, how exactly has that kind of affected your process, the, the lack of promos, especially for big albums these days out of fear of, of albums leaking? Oh, it definitely puts you on the spot because a lot of albums, obviously, um, you know, take a lot of time to really appreciate them for what they are. I know I was definitely that way with uh, To Pimp a Butterfly. The first time I heard it, it didn't really, you know, it didn't, and that, you know, was really, you know, that was a surprise release, wasn't it? Didn't that just, like, come up out of nowhere? Yeah, that that just kind of dropped out of the blue. You know, and the thing is with a lot of these records, too, and you kind of mentioned To Pimp a Butterfly there, uh, another thing with some of these albums, and it could be To Pimp a Butterfly, could be Beyonce's Lemonade, could be... um you know, like whatever the latest Swans record is going to be, not only are these albums dropped out of the blue, they're often conceptual in some kind of way, but a lot of them are very, very long. You know, it's not like it's not like an album is dropped out of the blue and you have to digest some 45 or 35 minute record. You have to digest a 60 minute record, a 90 minute record in a matter of a few days. Yeah. You know, it, it, I mean, I guess you're going to be if you really love music, I guess you got to be down and you really want to do a good job. You got to be down to like listen to one album all night, which I mean, that's one way to do it. But yeah, it's, it's tricky. I, I think it's also made trickier because mm. the economy of music journalism is we expect a verdict on the spot. And, you know, it's definitely forcing it, it. It really comes all back to like going with your gut, you know? And I really do think that a lot of times your base instincts involving a record are the ones you want to trust. Not because people are saying that it's good, not because people say that it's important. Go with because, you know, when you listen to it, are, does it make you feel happy? Do you enjoy listening to it? Do you want to listen to it again? You know, it's kind of stuff like that, too. So um, I definitely go with that. But for stuff, you know, with like To Pip a Butterfly that might not be as instantly accessible yeah, it definitely is challenging because I think I'm just one of those people that I, I, I like music to be very kind of immediately gratifying in that sense. So um, having a closer period of time to so-called to basically study. Yeah, that's hard. And to, to kind of go off of that question, you know, in your experience, how and, and so many people ask me this question um, in your experience, how many times do you feel on average uh, you have? listen to an album and then you know sort of you're adequately satisfied with your opinion and your take on the album you know just just the the baseline how many times do you listen to an album before you review it i know for me it's anywhere from four to seven times on average you know totally i think four to seven is a really good ballpark i mean i oftentimes are more like you know sometimes three to six i definitely think at least three times and you shouldn't do it shouldn't be three back to back to back you should ideally be spacing it out so you can you know because you're going to have different like your experience might vary slightly depending on that and you want to kind of yeah do that but um 
I also will basically, you know, I'll listen to it so many times. I'll sit down to write the review. And if I want to articulate something or double check a lyric or something, yeah, I'll definitely replay songs. Um, as far as whether or not my opinion has changed, like after publication, there's definitely been records that have kind of I've grown to like more than I think I might have. Uh, it might have come across like, you know, I reviewed the Mastodon once more around the sun and I didn't really at the time. I really didn't like it. And listening to it now, I think I think I would I like it more than I thought I did, you know, like. I find myself coming back to it because it's pretty catchy. But at the same time, I also, then I listen to, you know, remission or something and I'm like, oh yeah. So, I mean, sometimes it fluctuates, but. No, I mean, I'm really glad you brought that up because that was, that was definitely going to be one of my questions. Um, uh, because people ask me that all the time as well. Like, has my opinion ever changed after publication? And it has, but I've never had an experience. And, you know, you tell me if this is, you know, for you as well. Um, you know, I've never had an experience where I did a complete and total 180 on an album. Um, it's usually by very slight degrees of positivity or negativity, uh, either in the case of... Um, uh, the last Beastie Boys album or um, the pop groups, uh, Citizen Zombie, you know, which uh, I was super excited about when they came out. I loved the first week that I heard it. And now I still think they're good, but I don't, you know, think they're quite as amazing when they were, you know, when they hit me on first impact. Um, I think as an example of a record that and, and people will probably not be happy to hear this, but I think I think I didn't give quite enough credit to two chains based on a true story when it came out. <laughs> And it's because oh when gosh. I when I listen to it now, I just think it's so funny. I just find him so hilarious, and I think he's such a a, a, a witty and an entertainer. Oh my gosh, I reviewed that too, I, and I gave it one point five stars out of five. It was for tiny. Yeah, like I I did not give it and a positive know, review either. I I really think that two chains at the end of the day, you're not supposed to take them seriously. And I was looking at like, man, his he's not really he's not telling any stories. He's not like doing anything really special. I mean, he's, it, these are repetitive. And I, I, I put in gems, like she got a big booty. So I call her big booty. And now like looking back, that's funny. I mean, it's almost just like, I mean, you said meta earlier, that's kind of a meta. It's like rapping about rapping. Exactly. And, and the thing is, uh, again, you know, there are probably some people who are mad to hear that, that, that is the album that I kind of feel like, wow, out of all my, <laughs> out of, out of, out of all my reviews, dipping it like fondue. Yes, stick. I just think it's so funny, and I find him more entertaining um, on that record than I have on any of his latest records. Because you know, the, the reason I sort of went back to that album is I was listening to some of his latest mixtapes because I was like, oh, I might review this, I may cover this, or whatever. And you know, in that process, like you were saying earlier, I went back and heard based on a true story, just to kind of recontextualize it, and I was like, wait. I, I dislike this and you know not, and not to say that I think it's amazing now it's not you know fucking Illmatic or anything but um you know it's it is a very funny entertaining album which like you were saying I think a lot of people going into that record because maybe he was a new artist because he sort of had that um that Kanye endorsement uh maybe went into the album expecting something a little bit more serious than they than they actually got which uh which maybe leads us to uh, another good question about um this uh, uh this podcast topic and that is a uh, you know where do expectations lie for you in terms of importance when you're going into an album can expectations ruin 
an album for you? Do you do your best to try to get rid of any and all expectations uh, when you go into a record or are expectations uh, perfectly okay? Expectations are perfectly okay, I think, insofar as if you know that an artist is capable of reaching a 9 or a 10, I think that you can kind of hold them to that standard. But also, I do believe that, you know, as a band gets on in age, like, I'm trying to think, like, I feel like judging a Who album that came out this year by the standards of, you know, an album like Tommy or Who's Next would be completely unfair. I mean, for one, because it has completely different members and that's like apples to oranges in terms of personnel. That's just not fair. But two, I think that, you know, sometimes some artists peak super early and sometimes, um, you know, it's a matter of fact that everything they put out after a certain point isn't that good. And maybe one of the reasons that you come to that opinion is because everything before it was so great. And, you know, we tend to do that a lot, I think, with also bands like Weezer and stuff or, you know, bands that when that have like so many works of genius. And then also they put out so many bad albums that you start to think that an album that is slightly less bad is somehow deemed awesome. Um so I think by those standards, too, you have to kind of... Uh... I mean, also for comparison, I think, um, you know, just the record that Kendrick just dropped, because to yep. have to follow up to Pimp a Butterfly would be a, a, a difficult task, even for the artist who made that record. Um, you know, now sort of in his, you know, weird left hook Kendrick kind of way, oh, yeah. you know, he did follow it up by doing something completely different, just in the same way that he followed up Good Kid, Mad City by doing something completely different. Um, you know, he's he seems like the kind of artist who, um, rather than trying to build on top of what he does and, uh, you know, gr- uh, uh, sort of grow in grandiosity of statement and in artistic scope each time, he just sort of re-evolves and re-evolves and re-evolves. Um, you know, and, and still, uh, uh, I think, uh, at least for me, I kind of anticipated that that was going to happen. So, I mean, at least for me, it was kind of like hitting a reset button. But still, I didn't come away from the record feeling like it was as great as anything he had done in the past. But the mere fact that I felt that way uh, to a lot of the people who watch me read as, oh, he hates the album. I expected this to be in eight, nine or ten, you know, so it's it's not even just the expectations of the the writer but also the expectations of the reader too because you know when people follow music reviews on a regular basis it's almost like you know the, mm-hmm. the, they know or they feel that they know what artists are going to get eights what artists are going to get nines what artists are going to get tens and what artists are going to get like a two or a zero or a b minus or c plus or whatever i mean and also just think of it this way and like is is damn going to be an album that 10 years down the line when somebody says hey you want to listen to kendrick lamar which what's going to be the album you reach for? Yes, that's that that is a question that's always in my head. I don't feel like it's in the head of other people and I feel like that's you know, I don't think it's a generational thing. I think it's a personal thing. You know, there are yeah. some people who don't really seem to care about whether or not what you're listening to is going to have any lasting power. Um but to me personally that's that's kind of significant especially when you're talking in terms of like what records are classic and what records aren't you know while i feel the application of that term is you know can be sort of warranted when you're talking about a modern record that a lot of people are behind and seems to be getting a lot of critical acclaim it's it's okay it's cute but you know for me like the truest application of that word is that you know this album you know long after 
the generation that grew up with To Pimp a Butterfly are fat and old and having kids and are probably not listening to much new music anymore. Um, you know, do their kids hear that record for the first time and think, wow, this is amazing, you know, because to me, that's the mark of a real classic record that a, gen a generation of people who didn't grow up in that culture, didn't grow up in that time period, didn't grow up in that era in which that album makes pure and total sense, hear that album and they're like, wow, this is great. You know, because I feel like concept, uh, context of culture means so much when it comes to the uh, enjoyment of an album. And, you know, especially for popular music, it's almost purely that in a lot of ways, because, you know, you, you don't have a lot of kids these days um, listening to the Four Seasons, you know, um, or listening to fucking any number of completely dated and, um, uh, you know, completely irrelevant uh uh, synth pop or like new romantic uh, groups that came out during the 80s, you know, that were very kind of like trendy and uh, and of the time. And, and I feel like, you know, while we may try to do our best to make sense of what music out there is great today, um, you know, we don't completely know what is and what isn't going to go out of style. Um, you know, there are tons of artists from the 90s now that you wouldn't think um, would be translating to this younger generation in the way that they are. But, you know, lo and behold, there are tons of millennials that are listening to Tribe Called Quest. There are tons of millennials that are listening to Lauren Hill. Um, you know, and, and the, there's just no way to predict this stuff, I think. You touched upon a really good point that I about, you know, a sign of a good album being something that a generation later, it still feels fresh and relevant and relatable. And I think it's also true, for example, a lot of people ask me, you know, why do some metal albums get best new musics? Why do other album metal albums not, even if they're not as good? Say, like, the Vector record. Sure. Now, obviously, I can't speak on behalf of Pitchfork, but in my own experiences as somebody that writes a lot about metal, I think what pushes a metal album from something that every metalhead loves to something that's an instant classic is if people who are not metalheads can listen to it and enjoy it. An example of this, what I th think would be like Electric Wizard's Dope Throne or most recent, the most recent Power Trip album. I feel like you can have fun with that record and really get a kick out of it, even if you aren't somebody that listens to that type of music all the time. And I think that's also true for jazz and experimental. And I think that's, you know, that kind of crossover and wider, wider potential and what it means within the, the broader landscape of music as a whole popular music is important i think mm. and really thinking about that you know obviously people are going to hear that and say oh well that means if something is more you know crossover and accessible that must mean that you know like doesn't that kind of make it reductive and i don't think that's true i think it's more about impact and force you know like i think that oniatrix point never all of his stuff He's like consistently great because you can listen to that and have not heard a single like IDM record in your life. And you can still it's, it's something you'll think about later. You know, it sticks with you. It's unique. Yeah. You don't necessarily need to take a master class in IDM or experimental electronic music to sort of appreciate what's going on on Replica, for example. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of I think other stuff, although, um, you know, a lot of records sometimes I think like if it's too esoteric and then you know it can be great for you for your by your own standards and that's as a music critic you know one of the great things about criticism these days is that thanks to youtube and thanks to like you know the fact that people can just kind of 
run their own blogs and do their own shit is that you can kind of suit your stuff to your own audience. A lot of one of the greatest burdens, I think, of being a critic for, you know, mainstream sites is that your audience includes people. Who, some people listen to m nothing but metal. Some people listen to uh, no metal, but lots of jazz. Some people listen to Billboard Hot 100 and nothing else. And you have to make sure that everybody, regardless of where they're coming from, can understand what you're talking about and kind of get an impression of what the album sounds like and if it's good or not. And I feel like as, as a critic, there's more pressure to have heard more as far as different genres and mm -hmm. styles these days because the listener is hearing more too because the internet just gives you so much easy access to so many different sounds because over the past 10 years or so, we've seen so many cultural barriers break down and thanks to the internet and now it's easier for people who didn't grow up listening to hip-hop get into hip-hop it's easier for people who didn't grow up listening to, to black metal get into black metal um you know uh, yep. previously these very insular musical cultures have just been totally ripped wide open for everybody to observe and critique and um uh, comment on and listen to and and learn about with the same kind of depth uh, and breadth that somebody who um sort of grew up with that sound or grew up with that culture did and uh, you know I, I not that I expect you to have a, a comment on this but this is just kind of a thought at the top of my head but I do think that has caused a, sort of a weird bit of tension or bitterness between uh, I guess you could say you know old school people and new school people um, and, and I feel like that also kind of contributes to a, a in a way that that sort of niche entertainment sphere that you're talking about in terms of, you know, specifically the metal community. And, and it happens everywhere, you know, where you have these publications and reviewers who only review one style. And then you kind of as an outsider who is more concerned with like, how does this fit into the grander scheme of music? You sort of see yeah, some releases definitely. being congratulated or celebrated when like in the grander scheme of things, does this really matter? I think that tension also can, you know, that tension can be frustrating because I think that niche sites, so to speak, are just played just as important a role because if you're really hardcore into music like when i'm reading when i want to know about you know some i don't know some like black core album or grind core album i you know rate your music i think is an is a actually a really good source for finding out general opinions and like getting it it can be heavy on the jargon but if you know the jargon for like any different genre if you want to get technical that's a great place. And those places definitely really have an important role in the, the overall landscape of music writing. And I think that there's nothing really wrong with that. I think that there's different lanes and it's important that I think each lane be able to kind of still maintain its own identity. And I definitely think that while it's great that critics are, you know, a lot of websites are covering a more wide variety of music that still uh, that doesn't mean that having conversations within restricting it to one genre or style are somehow obsolete or less important because they're not looking at the big picture. Mm. It's just different. It's 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 an issue of optics really and like what prism you decide to view the album in. Are you viewing it within the prism of its genre of the artist or do you really want to think about it in terms of the grand scheme? And I think your mileage may vary according to that and a review can be all of the above as long as it I as long as it at the end of the day tackles one of them that's important. No, I absolutely agree. You know, and the thing is um 
there are loads of artists who I enjoy that, you know, I've given very positive reviews to who, uh, you know, really kind of only appeal to a niche at the end of the day. The niche is not necessarily a bad thing because that can sort of be a bit of a petri dish for interesting ideas to sort of blossom out of that wouldn't have blossomed at any other place. Moving on from there, uh, going into a record, do you feel like you have any kind of general criteria that you look for or listen to in an album, or are you really kind of resetting every time you hear a new album or resetting every time you hear a different artist? You know, is it, um, are, are, are there pieces of criteria that apply to every record you hear or you know is it really on an artist by artist basis or is it more on an album by album basis no there's general i mean regardless or or, or even a genre basis oh yeah, regardless of genre you there are certain characteristics i always whenever i'm taking notes on something as i'm listening to it which i don't always do sometimes I, that kind of all comes together as i'm writing it after listening to it but notes are oftentimes useful for organizational purposes but you know hmm. categories like uh how are the songs arranged how how are the musicians regardless of what they're playing can they play competently do the beats sound good if there's a regardless if the drums are synthetic or if the drums are live do the songs as a whole on the album flow together? Is there beginning, middle, and end to it? Or do, does every single song sound the same? How how do they approach different are the types of, you know, lyrical? If there are lyrics, are the lyrics good? Are they baby? You know, do, and also getting back to the general questions that we mentioned before, like, what does this album add to the conversation that we're having regardless of how big that conversation is. How does it compare to the artist's previous work? How does it compare to what you can listen to now? And um, just th those general questions. But I would say the big categories are, you know, the arrangements, the, the technical performances on it. Um, and I think framing and pacing is super important and doesn't get discussed enough, enough um, by a lot of critics. Because I'll tell you, if there's one thing that can make an album, can really make or break an album for me, it's the pacing. Because there's nothing like. Hey, are you talking like the way the album moves from track yeah, to track, exactly, or exactly? So many albums start off really strong. Like the first four tracks, they just go right one after the other. They blend into each other seamlessly. And a lot of times, albums just kind of plateau. Or worse off, they're the worst are when it's really good at the start and then it's boring and then it's really good at the end. Or you, yeah, or you, like I, like you were just saying, you know, or a record that feels like it doesn't truly get exciting until you're four tracks in or something. I definitely think that um, obviously every. Everybody listen. There's a reason that people like different types of music. You know, there's what makes a rock album good or a pop album good isn't going to be the same as you know what makes an ambient album good because it's all about different moods. And but I think that mm. the common language, so to speak, is you know I don't know things like arrangement, delivery, technique, stuff like that. No, I I, I agree with everything you're saying here. Um, you know, but I think what's important to kind of stress to the listener to kind of categorize these these details is when we're talking like super general things that apply to every album. Um, it sounds as if, and again, I agree with what you're saying, but it seems like everything you're saying could almost be categorized into. Um, almost technical things, you know, like like you were saying, the the ability for the musician to perform. What's the recording quality like? Mm -hmm. um, you know, these are sort of almost the the objective truths of modern music. Whether or not something sounds distorted, or something sounds smooth, or something is loud, or something is soft. Yep. Um, and then beyond that, 
you know, there are sort of minuscule bits of criteria that you can apply to whatever genre the record is, uh, whoever the artist is based on what they've released before, what you know about the artist, and that specific record itself, depending on what that album's mission is. That was genuine. I think that's a real, an important thing. Does it really, does it sound like they're putting on a show or an affectation or does it sound like something that's like really like hmm. in the moment? You know what I mean? And I think you can tell that. I mean, and, and I think that applies to any genre. And sure. I think that you kind of know it when you hear it. These sort of uh, the, these criteria, no matter whether or not they're fitting into this uh, grander category, whether we're talking about, you know, authenticity or, um, you know, the, the, that sort of performance quality that you were talking about, that genuineness that you were talking about, um, you know, or sort of maybe, uh, what you could apply to a record more specifically, if it's a rock album, for example, definitely do any of these categories rank higher or lower in terms of importance to you, or is it really just kind of a case by case basis? Can you have a completely technically sound album, but it's, the worst thing you've ever heard because it fails by every metric that you can apply to it as a rock album or, you know, can you have a great rock album that completely lacks any and all sort of technical uh, ability or coherence? Um, So, you know, can can, I guess, uh, um, yeah, do do, do these different sort of uh, uh, types of criteria, you know, do they rank in different ways of importance to you, I guess? Hmm. Well, for me personally, um, I put a real big emphasis, as I said before, on the pacing and the basic structure of it, just like watching a mm. movie, honestly. So personally, that's one of the most important things yeah, for you. Yeah, definitely. If the album has like an arc and a build to it, and if because I think that has a real bearing on the experience, honestly. I think it's really, I, I put on a big emphasis on also, if, the, if it just feels like a cohesive experience, or if it just sounds mm. like a bunch of songs thrown together. Yeah, it could be lopsided toward the beginning or the yeah. end, or just like a compilation of sorts. But I mean, I will say this, like for an album, for me, I'm much more likely to give it i also look at it by a track by track basis and look at the songs in and of themselves so for me Hmm. like structure is important not just for an album as a whole but in within the specific songs themselves so yeah Hmm. i just want i guess to put it in just plain speak it's like it just i just it's important that it has a point and it makes the point and it doesn't overdo it and it doesn't undersell it that the album that the that the music has something to say and it says it Hmm. well all right. I mean, I think that's I think that's a good way to put it. And, uh, you know, I, I feel like we can go on on forever on this topic. There's so much to say about it. And I have other things that I would like to ask you. But, you know, just for the sake of keeping this podcast at a, a somewhat, you know, moderate length. But for you personally, when when you're done with writing the review or in the middle of writing the re- review, whenever you think of this, generally, what are you trying to tell the reader when you're writing a review? What are you trying to communicate to the reader? What do you want them to know by the, the the time they've read the last paragraph of, of whatever review you've written. It all basically comes down to one question, and that is, why should you care? Like, what are you going to get out of listening to this album? Is it worth taking any 30 to 90 minutes of your time listening to it? And what can you expect out of it? Nothing more, nothing less. I mean, if we wanted to be more, like, really honest, it'd be should you buy the CD or not, but we're living in the year 2017, and that question, I think, in the age of SoulSeek and Mediafire and everything, you know, good luck. The consumer guide aspect of it, I think, is quickly growing obsolete. Um, So, I, I mean, 
but yeah, on a basic level, it's just like, why should I care? Those those very same questions sort of run through my mind as well. I guess I guess for me personally, what I'm most sort of interested in telling the 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 viewer, um, you know, a, a lot of the time, I think the viewer has almost made a decision as to whether or not the album is is worth their time because they're already clicking on a review of it yeah um you know uh so i mean i feel like they've already kind of made that decision for themselves what i'm trying to tell them assuming that <laughs> they didn't listen to it already because there are some people who you know and, and i'm sure you know watch my reviews as well as read your reviews after they've already listened to something and you know maybe they're kind of sitting there and thinking you know hmm what like i i'm still trying to figure this out maybe i'll get another opinion or something um so i mean at least for me personally what i'm trying to do by the end of review is kind of give the listener a heads up as to what is on the album what's the album trying to do uh and whether or not i think it kind of succeeds at it um and and i feel like there are kind of varying degrees as to how you accomplish going about doing that whether you're talking about an album that seemingly just seems like uh, a smattering of tracks is it a top 40 record is it you know the new carly ray jepson album or is it the new kendrick lamar album which you know going into each artist record you know you're going to expect you know a, a different kind of tone a different kind of style a different kind of uh, level of conceptuality going into the album i guess it's uh, just me trying to explain the mission statement of the artist because no no artist comes right out and says what their mission statement is because you know for the most part that that may just in fact kind of ruin what they're trying to do uh, but obviously listeners are still curious to understand it and want to know about it and i guess i'm doing my best to kind of give that perspective on it while also kind of coming in afterwards to kind of say okay so now that i've explained what exactly goes on here's how i actually feel about it you know like i didn't like it or i did like it and then after i've kind of explained that i kind of try to get to the heart of as to why um you know i i ended up sort of with that feeling because while i i do agree with what you're what you were saying earlier about like trying to compare you know um uh, a new who record to a record that they came out with during their heyday you know sure it's unfair it doesn't make sense but i mean at least for me personally i feel like i'm kind of doing that maybe not in a conscious way like oh it's just not as good as their old stuff but i feel like in a in a, in a sort of way i am kind of doing that in a roundabout sense because i i don't so much feel like i'm coming out with a different um criteria or feeling on each individual album i mean i can't help but think about what weezer used to do in the past when i listened to a new weezer album but um, I am trying to base each score and each reaction that I come together with on just kind of general sense of enjoyment, you know? Um, and to me, that's, that's sort of what ends up making an album great. You know, does it kind of reach that threshold of like peak enjoyment for me? Um, does it kind of like scratch all of those, uh, entertainment itches that I feel like I have when, uh, I went into the album, you know, did I get everything that I wanted and more, I guess, you know, is sort of what makes a, a record and a listen sort of significant to me. And, um, and that's sort of what I want to communicate to the viewer, you know, did, did that happen for me? And if, and if not, um, why not? And if so, you know, what, what exactly made the album so great that it kind of reached that level for me? It really is about expectations versus reality. And you're kind of laying out both of them hmm. you're kind of trying to say what the expectations were you know what you think the artist's expectations were with this project what they're trying to put out what the ideal is what our expectations are based on what they've done so far and you know what the reality is does it live up to what the artist intended does it live up to your expectations and yeah is it enjoyable 
Because an album can, you know, can seem like super important, but if it's not fun to listen to, I mean, and it's interesting, you know, talking about looking back at reviews and how like your opinion changed because, you know, when albums like when uh, Lou Reed's Metal Machine music came out, everybody absolutely hated it and called it a crock of shit. And now people think of it as like one of the most important albums in noise. Sure. So, you know, every it's fluid and uh, criticism doesn't exist in a vacuum and it's it's malleable and it's imperfect. But I think you people like you and me, we do our best. All right. I want to thank you for coming on and talking with me about all this stuff. I mean, you've been fantastic giving your opinion and hopefully we've kind of given people a better ideas to i don't know how to go into the idea of music criticism again i feel like we've barely scratched the surface but i feel like we talked about some pretty big topics here yeah i mean uh thanks for having me on i wish i uh, was a little bit mo- more coherent but it's uh it's the end of the week. I will leave a link to uh, Zoe's uh, Twitter page down there, which, I mean, you can catch her posting a lot of her reviews over there, but also, you know, some of her hilarious uh, tweets, which I'm a really huge fan of, uh, which she posts all the time. Well, definitely, I post most of my stuff on Twitter. Most of it is just about the bad muse who are terrible. Uh, but um, I also am helping to run up this new site called Clairvoyant, and that's C L R V Y N T dot com. And we focus more on punk and hardcore metal. And I'm sure, as you probably heard, I talk a lot about metal. So uh, we're trying to kind of focus and double down on that. So if you're into that kind of stuff, or if you just want to like hear new music, check it out. Let's say we run back that scenario that I said at the uh, at the beginning of the of the of the very episode. Uh, but instead, you're past the USB of, of the brand new Muse album. Do you do you go into the into the review? Do you reset and be like, okay, I'm, I'm going to try to objectively review this record. I'm going to I'm going I'm to honestly give a give a give a real take on this album and give it a shot. Or do you just hand in your resignation right there? You know what? At the end of the day, I do it for the kids. <laughs> so I really have to. It's I'll lay it down because. And I have to, and I guess, you know, you made an on-air admission, so I'll make an on-air admission that Absolution, Sing for Absolution was one of the first CDs I got in middle school, you know? So there's a bit of a personal history there. I got it. You got to do what you got to do. Even Radiohead read it. But yeah, there, I said it. I bought a Muse album once. Okay. All right. Well, thank, thank you for... Thank you for coming on and ruining your career on this podcast. I mean, you will be you will be greatly missed. Um, I'm going to miss your writing. I'm going to miss you know your online antics. But uh, uh, I'm glad you decided to sort of sort of put it put it to bed here. For the record, I I did torch the CD. Uh, mm. the subsequent uh, fit of rage. So. All right. Thanks so much for coming on and talking with me. All right. And now in the second segment of this how to do a review, how to do an album review podcast, uh, my guest is Brandon, a.k.a. BZ430 of uh, Dead and Hip Hop. Hey, how you doing, dude? What's going on? Needle Drop. What up, though? What up, though, everybody? Appreciate y'all <laughs> listening. You know, we about to get into this, have some fun, you know? All right. So in the first half of the segment, I, I talked a lot about how to do a review. I was asking Zoe Camp how to uh, write a review, how to create a review, what her thoughts were going into a review, but a lot of her experience is, is mostly text-based uh, when it comes to reviews. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're obviously, you know, where I am, sort of on the YouTube platform, uh, but even what you guys are doing is is vastly different from what I'm doing because, you know, even though I may be on camera, I'm still kind of formally writing a review 
and then delivering it on camera after it's 100% written. I mean, what you guys are doing, a lot of the magic, I imagine, just sort of happens on camera at that very moment right there sort of live with the fact that you guys kind of approach reviews with uh, uh, multiple personalities in a bit of a round table format. Yes, that is true because, and it's funny you say that because it's as much as when we listen, if we know what album we're going to review, like as a crew, as much as I want to like talk to Mike or like talk to Ken or like talk to people about it, it's like, let me just hold off. Let me hold my emotions until we're all together because i mean at the end of the day it's more like a just you know even with friends even for me growing up with friends you know we always talk about albums together and it was that organic natural reaction with the huh you thought what like you tripping so you know going in with the fellas i have that same mentality because now i've known them for for a long time now so it's like oh man i can't wait to say what i want to say and i can't wait to hear what you know people think is he gonna say anything that's gonna trigger me or is mike gonna say something that's gonna trigger me or if ken yeah it's just when just us it's just pure raw emotion when you watch our videos because that's what you're going to get nothing like written down or nothing pre premeditated thought about it or anything it's just all like raw emotion so you may have um you know had these conversations when you were young when you were younger with friends about music but uh, did you follow reviews at all uh when you were younger like uh uh if something were to get a uh, double xl or you know four or five mics is that something that would would grab your attention and, and sort of uh, make you listen to a record or uh, uh make you listen to a record twice if you had already decided you didn't like it or something yes um one particular pretty much the only one for me back from the late 80s to the, about 96 97 was the source source magazine mm -hmm. uh mm -hmm. i value mics a lot from them <laughs> like it, it like the back then the source was almost almost not like 100 percent, but it was a good i say 67 percent of reasons why i would buy an album based off their rating because i know that they were very tough in their rating you know because there's been plenty of albums that i love that only got three and a half mics but if i see someone if i see an artist get four or four and a half i'm buying it instantly without even hearing a single or anything and a good 90 percent chance i'm gonna like i'm gonna enjoy that album so the source was the only one where it was kind of like my bible back then where i was like if i'm not sure well if my friend says this he likes this but i you know i can't really go by his opinion that much because we're, we're so different but if the source gives it a rating that i think that's respectable i'm gonna go to the store and i'm gonna buy it just off rip <laughs> so yeah the source was definitely my kind of go to for reviews written reviews you know that 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 brings up a really interesting question um you know do you do you see yourself as a tough critic or if not uh, who in dead and hip hop do you see as the toughest critic and and is being a tough critic important uh yeah to answer the second question first yes i think being a tough critic is important because you know, sometimes you have to humble these artists or just humble, and I hate to say this, <laughs> but humble the fan base sometimes. Like, if stuff is whack or, you know, is it not good, you're going to have to call it out. You're going to have to say, say what it is. And then plus it's our opinion. I'm pretty sure you get this same flack as well. But, yeah, it's like if you sure. call in something that's whack, that's you calling it whack. Regardless if I disagree with you or not, but I'm going to still respect your opinion. But, you know, you be, it's okay to say that stuff is garbage or whack or as what you would say on the Big Shine, no, 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 no. <laughs> like you have to you have to call stuff out for what it is. You know, I don't have no issue with that. Um, now, the first question, do I consider myself a tough critic? At first, I didn't. I think when we first started doing Dead and Hip Hop or when we first started really getting into reviewing albums and stuff and mixtapes, I didn't see myself as tough. 
but I guess the more the more we started doing this, I was looking like, damn, I am tough. But if I'm if I don't consider myself tough, I definitely consider Mike C Town the toughest critic out of the out of all of us, easily in my hands down. But a lot of our fans and even the crew is saying that I'm becoming the toughest guy. So I you know I guess it's like a tie between me and Mike. But you know you have to just call it call it is what it is. If you if you think it's whack, if it's not worth the for you to purchase it or if you don't feel like it's put together well, call it out for what it is. I don't have no issue with that. People laugh at me when I do, when I dog a record out and I'm like, why y'all laughing at me? I'm just giving y'all the straight up <laughs> what I feel is is great opinions. You know what I'm saying? I guess so. it's just kind of it's 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 a different kind of it's it's just funny in a different way because when you're yeah. when you don't like a record, you just look like you're done. Yes. You just yes. look like you're done uh, and that's it. <laughs> Prime example is that Riff Raff. I'm pretty sure you probably remember. Yeah, I, I, I remember you looking pretty, uh, pretty done with that. Cause you know what it was with that with that album. I could not believe like Mike Ken and FIFO was really giving that a pass. And it's like, dude, we've heard some rack projects and y'all dogged the heck out of them, and they didn't sound nowhere near as bad as this. And they was giving that a pass. So I was like stunned. I was I couldn't believe what I was hearing. Mm. Me being the only person that just did not find that album amusing at all. But you know. That's that emotion. It's the raw emotion that's coming out. I think that brings up another interesting point. You know, there are moments where you're sort of diametrically opposed. You're on the completely other side of the spectrum from the rest of the crew. Um, in, in a format and sort of in a YouTube channel, in a discussion panel where you're finding that you have to have your opinion basically compete with a, a you know three four sometimes five differing opinions um no you know three or four differing opinions in a review um you know how important is you is it to you to sort of maintain your own stance and maintain your own ideas you know because i know that you obviously and the rest of the guys put an effort to not talk about a record before you talk about it on cameras to not to kind of mm -hmm. influence each other and kind of muddy those waters or anything like that. Mm -hmm. uh, but sort of in the middle of that conversation, how do you kind of keep yourself grounded in your own opinion while all these other ideas and points of view are kind of flying in every other direction? That's a good question. Cause yeah, it's, it's been, it's been moments where Ken or all of them at some point will probably say something that I was either getting wanted to say about a record or, you know, was planning on saying. And then they say it and I just be like, oh, my God, they didn't took my whole damn uh, thought process or whatever, especially Mike. Sometimes sometimes I'd be like, Mike, just go last, please. Just because if you go before me, you're going to say something that I know I'm going to be like, yep, 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 yep. But I mean, if usually in that case, I just try to. It's, it's really off the emotion, because if someone say something that's going to trigger me, then I'm going to I'm going to kind of expand on my reasoning or or pick i like to call it piggyback like if i say if can't say something exactly what i said i like to piggyback and just kind of like come up with my own i guess quote unquote busy for 30 thoughts about it without trying to take ken's word for word so much because yeah you're right by it being four of us it's it's, it's been times where a lot of us have said you know the same thing about a project whether we hate it or, or didn't like it or was so so about it so yeah sometimes that's the tough part about reviewing sometimes i'm like fifo you got the upper hand because we always let fifo go first i don't know why we came up with that system but i i, I look at fifo sometimes as he started talking i'm like you motherfucker you better not say something that i was gonna say but you know once he don't and you know can go or if i go second i'm like cool let me get my thoughts out right now and then y'all gonna piggyback off of me you know what i'm saying so <laughs> You know, that that's 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 how I look at it. But yeah, you that's that's a good question. I mean, I, all I can do is just kinda like 
when as it's happening, my brain just start rolling. Like I'm like, okay, oh, he said this, so now what I'm gonna come with now? Blah 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 blah. You know, it's just it's really like on the fly. Like all the the stuff that you really that people see, everything is clearly on the fly. Like I'm really just like winging it. We all like winging it pretty much. Yeah. No, I mean because I mean while I'm not doing uh, what I do in kind of a in, in a panel format, mm-hmm. um, you know, though I occasionally do do the uh, the the review discussion um, here and there. Uh, I try to do my best to avoid any and all opinions before I, you know, end up doing a review, at least a, a, a lengthy opinion. You can't avoid the opinions of the fans. Right. You know, they'll be hitting you before the review's even out saying, it's the best thing you've ever heard. You better give it a 10. Yeah. You better give it a 9. You better give it an 8. It's the worst album I've ever heard in my life. You're going to hate yep. it. Yep. Um, you know, you've already, you, you're already going to hear that whole spectrum of opinions yep. before you come out with the review. Yep. Uh, but I'll try to avoid the opinions of people who sort of I respect before going into a review because that might sort of influence me. Um, but, you know, speaking of the audience, in your experience as a reviewer, because I feel like if there's one thing that's vastly different mm-hmm. um, from the reviews of today, whether you're doing them in text, whether you're doing them in video, you know, whether they're formal or they're reactions or, you know, roundtables like what you guys are doing, the audience plays a role in, in the whole thing that they never have before. You know, it's not just PR people and record labels and, you know, radio stations and airwaves telling you something's good, something's Mm -hmm. popular, something's hot. This needs to be reviewed right now. Mm -hmm. Um, Now the audience is playing that role, sort of uh, uh, like I'm sure you experienced in uh, the run up to the Kendrick Lamar review that you guys have just dropped. Uh, I'm sure you were getting all kinds of social media messages and emails and death threats, too. Um, (laughs) You know, people post people send you pictures of your house and everything like you review this now. (laughs) You review this right now. Right. you know, the audience is playing a role that they never have before uh, because the Internet is sort of making things a two way street. Yep. You know, you may have kind of found a way to stay solid in your opinion amongst the rest of the crew. Uh, but, you know, it, it, is is it ever sort of a, a struggle to sort of stand your ground when hundreds or maybe even thousands collectively of people are kind of coming at you guys saying you're wrong about this one your opinion's wrong i hate you guys i'm unsubscribing oh i love it i mean i I love when 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 people especially if it's an album that i like dogged out like you know for example like a big sean album or whatever i love when people like come at me you know trying to like you know, force change my brain or have me thinking differently or telling me, oh, here go one, here go, here go one. When they tell you how to listen to an album, I'm pretty sure you've got that a million times. Yeah. They tell me that I'm not listening to an album correctly. How are you going to tell me how I'm going to consume music that I've been listening to practically my whole life? So, I mean, yeah, stuff like that. It, I'm all, I'm still going to be strong in my opinions regardless of how I feel. If I love the album and the fans tell me that they hate it and they say, oh, man, this is boring, busy, this sucks or whatever. Obviously, sometimes you got to watch when they trolling, but there's some people that actually have a that at, at least in the comment sections. I'm really good at replying in comment sections. Usually it's people that 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 give me some good stands on why they hate or love the album. And then I'm going to guess what? I'm going I'm to reply right back in that comment section and tell them why this album is great, why I think it's great, how I, why I think it's whack, why I think it's so-so, so on and so forth. So I like it. I mean, long as it's not on a trolling level, I love when I'm challenged online or or on Twitter or whatever because, you know, well, basically on the, in the comments because I can type a little more uh, 140 characters on twitter seems to be a little bit too limited for me to be arguing back and forth with folks but um i, I catch you in the in the 
Facebook or, or YouTube comics. I love it. I, I, I take it on. I love it. Early on, you know, and, and you tell me if you've had experience with this. I mean, really early mm-hmm. on uh, when my audience started to grow, there were moments where, you know, sort of the, the backlash of negativity would really shake me. I really? mean, I'm at the point where, you know, I love it now. The drama is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but yeah, sure. I mean, there were points and, you know, I was in my early to mid 20s at the time, probably not as solid in my opinions and my musical experience as uh, uh, you guys probably were when you started the channel because, you know, you guys were like lifelong hip hop fans, you know, whereas I was trying to review so many genres at the time when I was starting the channel, some of which I wasn't nearly as uh, experienced with as others. And, um, you know, there were people and and sometimes, you know, I would have to kind of like rethink my thoughts on the way that I would talk about records in certain genres because I needed to pick up on certain terminology mm-hmm. or there were certain things I should have been bringing up that I wasn't um, that, you know, maybe I liked or disliked but didn't think to say anything about it because that, that just didn't kind of strike me as something to bring up. Uh, but, you know, that's something that, um, you know, an, ele- an electronic music fan might pick mm-hmm. up or want to point out or a metal fan might want to pick up and point out or a hip hop fan might want to pick up and point out, you know, but but sort of the, the crowd does kind of add that extra layer of difficulty in a sense, you know, uh, with, with how kind of hard they can push back. But ultimately, I think it's I think it's a good thing, because I think if you kind of wall yourself up yeah. away from them, you know, I, I think it can prevent you from being honest because, you know, you kind of feel separated from the whole thing. and You feel like you can just kind of say whatever bullshit that you want to say. Right. Uh, you know, even if it's completely unjustified. Right. Like it makes you actually kind of think twice about what you're going to say and putting it the right way. Because if you, you know, sure, if, if you're doing a negative review, you may want to say something harsh. You may want to say something that pisses people off, yeah. you know, yep. to like communicate effectively like this sucks. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, if, you, if you're trying to daintily you know dance around an album to say hey like i don't think it's great but it's it's uh, uh it's not terrible or uh you know even to say uh, an album is great you know you may misspeak or may you know uh, uh say something off base or whatever um you know I, th- I think having an audience sort of reacting to what you're doing in real time and sort of leaving you feedback whether it's you know crazy troll comments or you know long-winded well thought out and well-written comments um you know, I, I think it's helpful and ultimately sort of a healthy thing for, uh, you know, not only what I'm doing, but kind of the music community at large, because I think, you know, while while you guys are doing what you're doing, I'm doing what I'm doing. I think we're all kind of a part of a larger sort of communal discussion uh, part of music culture that's mm-hmm. going on right now where you do have kind of opinions flying in every direction about every new album. Right. It's, and it's like you said, too, uh, like I said, I like it because it, it brings on. A great healthy debate if you minus the trolling the trollers but like people who really you know dispute your your opinion i think it's great but i think it's is great for healthy conversation and healthy debate because i mean i'm the same way when i watch sports shows it's like it's certain people i watch that i know that's going to rile me up mm. you know if they're going to say something i'm like you out of your mind so I, I, i'm glad that you know people like you people like me and dead and hip-hop we kind of we bring that same emotion and bring that out in our fans you know what i'm saying that people that watches our show on a regular basis they're gonna they're gonna still love what you got to say regardless if they disagree with you or agree with you you know i, I love that when you can still respect it but you still want to dispute like hey i don't i think you're wrong because uh you know like i think that's good i think that's great this recent kendrick lamar review has me thinking of um uh, sort of another question, something that I probably wouldn't have thought to ask before this review even came out. But I feel like this album brought um, 
a particularly interesting set of opinions because the album is not so clear cut like Kendrick's previous couple of records. Mm -hmm. And because of that, I think that that has led to this really wide array of different interpretations of the album. Mm-hmm. And what's funny is I've had so many comments and so many really angry, passionate emails and, you know, various correspondence sent to me about this album. And each of them are sort of like dead set and 100% convinced that their interpretation is 100% right and I'm wrong and they have the point of view of the record. But what's funny is like every single time somebody puts that amount of effort uh-huh. into trying to quote unquote understand the album, like all of their interpretations are different. You know, they each come at me with like a different kind of point of view or a different take on different things of the album yeah but there and and it's almost like it's gotten to the point especially with kind of the rumors that were surrounding the release of this supposed second album right um it's it's like things have almost gotten like conspiratorial yeah you know what i mean like people are starting to like put together the uh, you know the illuminati clues and and shit like that and it feels like it's just kind of gone Overboard to the point where it's not even really an opinion anymore and just kind of a conspiracy theory. One thing I will say about about Kendrick Lamar albums, I think he's he with fans, I think they put him in this box that where they're so used to him having these conceptual, well thought out projects, you know, a good kid Mad City to Pimper Butterfly, mm. you know, even Section 80 to 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 a certain point it was 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 a well a theme, uh some type of a theme right there going on with that album, mm. uh, with the exception of Untitled Unmastered. So I think with this album, you know, especially after people listen to it, and then, you know, of course, you know what happened in within in the song Duckworth at the end and everything, people lost their mind. Then then they started tying in with Oh, he made this album cover because this was green, and then he made this. And I don't know if you saw this bit too, where in the video of a uh, DNA, how they like, oh look, Kendrick got a red head, a, a red wristband on one wrist, and then a green wristband on the other. Oh. oh, he ain't slick. He's about to come up with another album on Sunday. <laughs> like, I was like, what is wrong with y'all? Like, y'all are really thinking too deep on this on this album, and I think y'all are really putting Kendrick in his box. And I I think it's kind of unfair. I mean, it's great that he's put on this such high level and to put out quality conceptual albums. But, you know, what if the guy just want to release the album just for us to enjoy, you know, just for us to listen to without all the deep meaning? Of course, he's going to have different emotions going on through the album. Like you said, it's all over the place. I agree with you on that. But, you know, what's wrong with just having something that you just want to pop in and just listen to and enjoy? People are thinking too deep with all these theories and these second albums and all this other crap. It's ridiculous. At least for me, it's kind of the duty of the reviewer to demystify that a little bit. And I personally would have probably done that a little bit more in my review had I maybe done it a little bit later because so many of these theories have kind of proliferated. And, you know, while music is definitely subjective, I feel like there are some objective truths to it that you can definitely set the record straight on. Right. You know, and at least in the case of this, I mean, just to you know, I know Damn is a different project from anything Kendrick has done before, but I feel like it's very much the same than everything he's been doing up until this point in that he's still a very emotional, raw and honest and down to earth and straightforward guy. You know, he's telling you what he's going through. He's telling you his perspective on things. Why can we not just accept this album for face value? Right. You know, like, why does it need to mean something that it's not why can't it just be a really talented artist kind of stating his perception on things right. you know which is which is what i feel like damn is in, in a lot of respects we was telling people stop it with these dang on conspiracy theories 
just enjoy the album for it. Like, enjoy it. Like, I mean, that's what we've always done before. Is like we've enjoyed albums. I mean, sure, it's gonna be. It might be a tie-in here and there with you know his previous albums, or it might be something like you said. It might be some deeper meaning or something. Just take the album for what it is and enjoy it. It's been plenty of artists, a lot of artists that made well thought out projects. MF Doom had made some well conceptual thought out projects, mm-hmm. but he also made some projects that you just want to just pop on and just enjoy. There's nothing wrong with that. Just take it for what it is. Don't be like, oh, it's a Doom album. What is he trying to decipher this time? Or like, how I'm going to decipher his rhyme scheme on this album? Like, just accept it for what it is and enjoy the freaking album. Yeah, I, I guess I guess some people go into <laughs> some people go into an album like it's a science project. Yeah, and there exactly. Exactly. You know, what's funny is it's we're both reviewers and it's funny because we're going into this conversation saying, hey, you know what? Don't treat an album like that, because I feel like too often uh, reviewers are kind of stereotyped as being that kind of person. You know, the person who thinks too much about the album and they take it too seriously and Mm -hmm. they can't just sit down and enjoy a record. Meanwhile, we're we're not sitting here talking about the conspiracy theories around damn. We're not talking about what what conspiracy (laughs) theory, you know, like if you listen to this fucking track when the moon is in this phase and, you know, the the constellations are in in such an arrangement, then, you know, all of a sudden uh, you're going to look into your email inbox and uh, the second album is going to be in your email. <laughs> Are there ways that you try to stay grounded when doing a review so that you come through in a way that's, um, I guess, kind of relatable and, uh, you know, really personable? Because if if there's one thing that you guys are great at, it's just kind of coming across as just average, honest, just fans of the music and, and nothing more, nothing that's less. The, that's the purpose right there. That's that. That was our sole purpose when we started doing Dead and Hip Hop, because we was like, look, Dead and Hip Hop generally has been going on since we were kids since before we was born people have been talking about music people have been sitting around talking about music together for for decades so it was like you know reason why we just want to stay grounded with main thing we just want to still be yourself still be yourself go into it still i'm going to still give stuff reaction the same way i would give a reaction if i was with if i was off camera you know what i'm saying if we wasn't recording if me and you and mike was talking about some music i'm going to still be the same guy if, if we was recording on the camera is like the mini collabs we've done before yeah i mean we've done plenty of class before so yeah you get it so yeah it's just like you have to still just think about just like i said the natural rawness of it is just i guess for me it just it just comes natural because i don't think about how i'm gonna react it just happens when it happens i guess you know the way you were kind of saying what you were saying about you know just staying raw and personal and honest I feel like that's a quality that is so important and so integral to a lot of these video reviews that you see right now. But is that to kind of imply that Mm -hmm. the era of text reviews that kind of preceded all of this, that that was dishonest, that that was not honest? Not not only that question, but have you ever read a review that like maybe pops up in your head that you felt like wasn't an honest review? You you know what? I was that's a good question, because, yeah, it's been reviews. This was like kind of during the down the decline of the source, like when I was just kind of like, okay, I'm done with them. And, you know, you read certain reviews. And of course, this is when the time when labels really started getting put in their you know, hands in with these magazines with the double XLs, the source. It was another one I'm forgetting too. But um, yeah, like, so when I when I started finding out that these labels was really kind of putting their fingers in the hands and, and knowing some of these writers and everything. And when I'm like, as I'm listening to the album, I'm like, man, this album is trash. Why is the source rating this four and four mics, four and a half? And it's like, I'm reading it. 
And just something about it just doesn't seem genuine. About it. Like, it just seems like, I don't know if they're being paid off by someone or is someone throwing them some, some nice little extra cash to say, hey, you know, talk about good on my review. Talk about good on, on this particular albums that come out for this particular label. Then you get this certain amount of money. So, yeah, read like in that late 90s, it was a lot of reviews I used to read. And I used to be like, this does not seem genuine at all. Like, who I need someone to talk to me about this and like give me a face to face genuine feeling of why they think this album is this good or why they think it's this bad so yeah you're right you you absolutely right that's a that's a good question because it was reviews where i was like Mm-mm, that don't seem genuine like who's paying you buddy <laughs> like for real yeah i mean i i definitely feel like when when i was uh checking out some reviews and spin either mm-hmm. in like when i was in high school and later on in college when i would see some music review websites like pitchfork for example mm-hmm. i mean i'm not talking about these publications across the board as institutions but every once in a while i would see a review that i don't know while i didn't have any proof in my pocket Mm -hmm. that you know that was like oh this is totally you know uh, this person's been paid or this is a lie or da 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 you know it did kind of feel like there was a bit of an agenda going on or like some kind of bias that while I have my biases and I'm sure you have your biases. You know, we kind of come out and admit them. You know what I mean? Like it's been well documented that sites like yeah. Pitchfork yeah. or at least for a, a, a long span of time had a Brooklyn bias. You know, it was like it seemed like almost any and every popular yep. little upstart 15 minutes of fame buzz indie band that would come out of the woodwork from Brooklyn was like, oh, this is great. It's an eight point whatever. It's the best new music. It's the best new music <laughs> no matter what. Um you know, meanwhile, uh, there are other reviews that and it's easy. It's even easier today than it is than, than it was back then. Thanks to social media. Uh, you could see what writers are talking to mm-hmm. what artists and flirting with who and popping up at what parties and da, 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 da. Yep. And it's like, oh, you. Yep. So, so even though yep. the Internet does allow things to be more personal. The dishonesty is still there, and it's kind of easier to pick it out and highlight it out because you could see who's friends with who, or talking shit about who, about where, and you know who's had a bad experience with this other person, and it's all documented. It's all documented. So then, so then later down the road, when the bad review or the super positive review pops up, it's like, oh, okay, yep. makes makes sense, makes sense now. And it also, too, what you said was funny, um, like how we all we all have admitted our biases, but at the same time. If that artist that we're, you know, super, super huge fans of, if they release some, you know, average to below average stuff, we're going to call them out. I mean, it's not, you know, it's not like it's not like we might have our bias, but, you know, if you coming out with a whack project or a project, I feel that's not, not up to your standards. I'm going to call you out. I'm going to say, look, this is this is beneath you. Prime example. That's that's always that's always hard, though. That's yeah, always hard, though. Like, And I'm, I'm going to give you a prime example of that, too. Um, Recently, last year, when we reviewed Tribe Called Quest uh we got it from here okay uh, yeah. and everyone like people fans everybody the crew they know i'm a huge quest fan granted mm-hmm. though i i did i i still like the album i enjoyed it but i didn't nowhere near love it as much as ken uh mike and um we had a guest on there kyle who's 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 actually like older than all of us and he's been like a avid uh avid uh hip-hop listener for years for decades but um mm-hmm. he loved it Mike loved it and Ken loved it. I was like, yeah, I like it, but I mean, it for me being a diehard Quest fan, I just felt like this this album wasn't it like it wasn't the it factor for me. It didn't it didn't pull me like the rest of the Tribe Called Quest albums. And I'm a huge Quest fan, so of course Mike and them was losing their freaking mind. But I'm like, look, it was a good album, but you know, I just didn't love it. You know, like you guys, they thought it was just like excellent from beginning to end. I'm like, 
No, they had definitely some slip ups on this album, like for sure. But yeah, like it's hard. It was tough. And like what you said, it was tough for me. Like it was really tough for me to be so critical. Same way with De La Soul. Like I didn't even like De La Soul's album. They last album that they got off of Kickstarter that they raised sure. a lot of money off of. I didn't even love that album. And I freaking love De La Soul. And you can, if you watch that review again, you can tell how sad I was. Like I look like a sad puppy because I had mm. to like give a negative review for one of my, i had to give a negative review for one of my favorite like hip-hop groups you know what i'm saying so i was like yeah i mean let's 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 demystify that 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 sort of assumption that a lot of people make because the thing is i feel like a lot of people may see you do a negative review or see me do a negative review and assume that we're doing that because we want to be mean or we're doing that because we're, we're having fun doing that mm-hmm. and it's it's never easy especially when that artist has come out with three four five projects that you're super impressed with yeah you don't you don't want anything else but for the next project to be good you you know that's that's all you want they said that you know but the thing is that bar is but you've heard so many that you know you know when you're excited and when you're not you know when you're liking something and when you're not Mm -hmm. and you know if you're not excited you can't come on camera and pretend pretend uh uh, pretend to be when you're not, you know, which which I think, um, you know, is part of the way that the camera kind of keeps people honest. And it could be like you said, five good projects and it could be one dough. But I would be so sad that that's a bad project that it just would be I can't be excited. People who know me know that I'm not that I won't be excited about it. But yeah, Mike and them was they of course they were surprised because it wasn't like I told them how I was feeling before we reviewed it. So, yeah, when they when they came up, they was just like, what? But you love them, B. But I'm like, yeah, but this was just bad. You know, it's just it hurts. It's like I said, it hurts when it when that happens. Moving on from, you know, what I sort of see is like the next stage of kind of what we're doing right now. I mean, since my channel came up and your channel came up, uh, there's been this huge kind of growth in within the sector of YouTube reviews in this whole reaction genre. Yeah. You know, Um what's your take on a lot of these reaction videos generally? You know, do you feel like they're effective at what they're doing? I mean, it's it's sort of twofold. You know, for me, it's like yep. you do kind of get those raw emotional reactions, uh, you know, in, 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 in an almost stronger way than you would in just kind of the formal review format. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there's, you know, there's really nothing like in terms of anything kind of, I guess, conversationally gained from from what's going on because you're kind of reacting to it right there. You haven't had time to think about it, you know? I mean, I think case in point is that some of these reaction reviewers, they had the Kendrick Lamar reaction that they came out with. And then maybe a week or so later, it was like, okay, here's, here's my Kendrick Lamar final verdict. Now when it's like, I don't know, for me, um, I would much rather just gather all my thoughts together before I've even said anything. And then just kind of tell you what I finally think after, you know, I've kind of really had my full experience with the album um, after multiple listens. I think we're just in that time now where people like seeing that raw, what is your, what are your first impressions when you're listening to this song or this album? I think, that, I think people don't mind that. You know, I think people like, and people it. just want what they want fast too. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. And, and, and that format is the fastest way to it's do it. Fastest way to do it. And, I, and it's easier to do it, you know, for people who are recording it, who's, who's providing that, that content is easier. And I, like you said, I just think people just like that quick, that quick, re- quick reaction. They like to see that. And and I think that sort of adds to the fact that, you know, in the internet age, opinions have really been 
democratized you know people really want to know what everybody's thinking you know like they want to see opinions about some new album that they've heard on twitter and they want to see a bunch of people reacting to it in real time on youtube and uh (laughs) you know they 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 just want to be hit with so many different thoughts and ideas about this thing that they're listening to um you know do do you think i mean obviously it's not all a bad thing because we sort of benefit off of that. Right. You know? Right. But I mean, are there sort of negative, are, are there sort of negatives? Are there downsides to that? Because, you know, I think it does kind of create a situation where you're not really enjoying the album and all you're doing is just consuming all these opinions of the album or, you know, further down that road, it could create a situation like what we saw with the Kendrick album where everybody's not enjoying the album. They're just creating conspiracy theories around the album. Right. Um, Usually with that situation, I just tr- I try to ignore as much of that as possible because it's like one of those things where I'm like, okay, let me listen to the album, let me enjoy it, let me try to, or or, or as what you would say, you know, dissect the album on my own, um, because yeah, some of that stuff can cloud it. Like, but you you know, for you example, like if you were reviewing an album before us and it's an album I know we're gonna review. I'll wait to after we review it, then I'll probably be like, okay, let me check out and see what Anthony's, you know, what Fantano's saying about, you know, what he what he felt about this album. Not that, not that after we got done shooting it, so it's just like I try to keep away from all that negative stuff. You know, not negative, but just all that bugging, bugging, bugging. But like you said, we benefit from it because people people watch us. They, I mean, we they they can't wait to see it, which I think is good. I think that's that's cool for them to be eager to hear our opinions. You know, because I was I was that same eager kid six seven years old seeing what the source gonna say about how many mics they're gonna give this album so i mean you know i, I think it's it's good but when you throw in social media in there it, yeah it, it can get a little nerve-wracking it's just like because it'd be times where i just be like okay I'm, I'm just staying off social media i don't need to see nothing i don't need to hear anything me and you we both got it with the kendrick Le, kendrick lamar review i mean any tde review kanye west stuff i mean mm-hmm. we the list can go on as far as artists that's like when people release stuff they just gonna lose their mind and hit us within two minutes after the album dropped, you know. So, I just try to stay away from stuff like that, you know. And and I just still be thankful that they still want to watch our videos. Well, you know, thinking about those kinds of technicalities and the the thing that you're specifically focused on, and if I could just kind of ask you a a hip hop or a hip hop question or two, since you guys are really just kind of geared and centered on 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 that genre in in your series. Um, you know, are there certain criteria or sort of things you go into an album looking for or listening for uh, specific to the hip hop genre? Because, you know, that's that's just kind of the genre you guys are centered around. Uh, Yeah, definitely centered, of course, uh, production, because everybody always be like, oh, yeah, we know you're going you're going to be specific about the specific about the uh, production. So that uh, MC of the voice, um, sometimes, you know, voice does make a difference. Um you know, if, I ain't gonna say rather me liking the MC or not, because I mean, we all know Danny Brown has a a voice that's that's an acquired taste. <laughs> um, mm. so, so yeah, voice. I think, of course, lyrics. Um, kind of like I guess this is like a weird for me that I always do. I've always kind of rel- uh, kind of put uh, the album cover into like what the artist is trying to say or talk about. And I think I said that on some of the Dead and Hip Hop videos before where I'm like, I look at the album cover and be like, okay, so maybe this person is probably going to do this. So as I'm listening to the album, I'm kind of like trying to picture what they was trying to vividly do with the album cover. Sometimes it works for me. Like, it, it really works. I'm like, well, damn, the album cover, oh, that makes sense. Like, da 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 So that, I know it's weird, but that's just like my little only thing I've always been doing since I was young. 
And uh, what else? I guess in like the mixes of the of the beat and of the album and stuff, like does it sound clear? Is it meant to sound muddy? Is it meant to sound a certain way? So stuff like that is what I, I pretty much what I get into. The ba- you know, I guess like the basic stuff. Mm. Is is it hard <laughs> to kind of hold true to these criteria or at least kind of hold the same standards for them that maybe you used to when you would listen to music when you're younger with artists out there like Danny Brown and Tyler the Creator or death grips or young thug artists who are really unorthodox in their approach to all these things who, I mean, you know, they're making either, I guess you could say good music or music that at least appeases their fans, but the the way that they approach things like production or, you know, the, the vocal approach, um, you know, isn't why you couldn't call it good by traditional standards, I guess. Right. Right. Yeah. That's kind of true because I think I going in just for example, I'll give you an example. Like, when we reviewed Migos' album, like mm. I was, I wasn't going into that review the same way I was going into like, let's say, a Rock Marciano or a Kai review. Sure. You know what I'm saying? Because I know those guys are completely different. You know, Migos is completely different from a Kai as far as sound, the way they rap, everything. So, you know, yeah, certain artists, you kind of, I kind of go into it differently. I'm not gonna go into me, you know, a Migos, a Gucci Mane album like I am a Skazoo. You know, someone that's really thought out, a thought out type of artist. You know, Killer Mike. You know, LP. Like, I'm not. I'm gonna go into it differently. So I'm gonna go into it as with like uh, someone like Migos, who I've heard or Future. I'm going into it like, okay, if I'm in a strip club, will I enjoy listening to this music <laughs> while I'm in a strip club? Probably so. Like, you know. So I guess from that standpoint, from that scale, then I'm gonna say, yeah, I, you know, Migos is okay with me. I probably might not listen to that album on a regular basis or probably ever again until I go into a strip club or something like that, then yeah, the same way I would do an MF Doom album. I'm not going to judge it that same way. So in a way, everything kind of has its time, its place, its context or whatever, you know, it's, it's moment that it fits in. Yeah. And even, even if it does fit, even I I can probably like it or still dog it out, but I'm going to still understand like, okay, I know what this music is for. This is for that type of scene. It's not for headphone music where I'm going to sit down or if I want to listen to something, you know, just chilling and relaxing. You know what I'm saying? So it's this type of music you can have when you just got people over, you're having a barbecue or just having to get together, something like that. I mean, you know, it's it, certain stuff, certain music is, is good for certain moods. I might not want to fit that particular mood all the time, so I might, you know, dog it out, but I might, I still understand it for what it is. Um, given that you guys focus, uh, pretty much just on hip hop in, in the reviews that you do on the channel. What do you think feel like, excuse me, what do you feel like makes the genre so unique to review? You know, what, what do you feel like, uh, uh, makes the genre different from other genres when it comes to, um, either the musical experience or just kind of the, the, the challenge of kind of talking about it and reviewing it for an audience? Um, I guess the fact that at least I feel hip hop is, is been such a, it's been such a um, a young man's game. It's like every time we're reviewing something, you know, at our age, of course, we're being older. It's like people look at us like, well, you can't talk about this particular artist because you're, you're not at a certain age. Like if you're a certain age, the music has to be good or bad, <laughs> you know, if you're a certain age. Like if we like, for example, Future, if we if what three out of four of us didn't like Future, all they're going to say is, oh, you have to be young to like it. Or, or you have to be, you're all too old to understand it. 
which is not the case because I've known and seen older dudes or dudes my age that enjoy Future just as much as a 19-year-old. So, I mean, I think... Well, what's funny is Future's not even that it, young it, himself. It, exactly. Like, I think Future's probably older than me, you know, and this is like... And, and you know, you have all these kids who are listening to 2 Chains and he's in his 40s. And he's 40s. in his 40s, exactly. It's like, I mean, y'all talking about us being old, but y'all know, like, 2 Chains is, like, older than us. Like, so it's just, it's crazy. That's one thing I, <laughs> I guess that's one thing I don't, I, I don't like about the genre because it's like to me it's the only genre that don't respect his legends so like if you bring up a coogee rap to someone you know a kid gonna be like who but if you in r&b and if you a young singer if you bring up marvin Gaye or stevie wonder they gonna be like oh my god that's like jesus or whatever but if you do the same way or or if you say something bad about marvin right, Gaye or stevie wonder right. everybody's gonna look at you right. like, like what's wrong with yeah, you but they but but that young r&b artist not gonna say nothing bad about him whereas a young hip-hop artist you see someone like you know, Little Yachty, a young thug, and be like, you know, who is Rakim? Like, forget Rakim. Like, oh, man, that dude, oh, it's like, dude, that dude, like, it's like one of the dudes that laid down the foundation. Oh, who's DJ Cool Hurt? Like, they're not going to care about that. They don't care about the legends. That's the only genre that does not care about the legend. Do you feel like that that point of view, though, kind of comes with the uh, the the competition and the attitude of rap music? Yeah, it does. I mean, because, you know, you all guys are always trying to... <laughs> one of my best friends said uh like the rap, the rap game is like a hotel like soon you check out is somebody that's gonna be hot that's gonna check in like that's gonna check in the hotel and why the, why that other hot person is checking out so and, and i think and mm. like and it goes back to my other point where i think it's just such a young man's game like people always want to kind of stay hip onto something fresh and new once you get a certain age or a certain you know type of demographic is like uh we're gonna push you out so that's why it's a competition I, I think that's why that competition stays fresh because a lot of the, some of these guys have been making music for a long time they still like look i can do this just as well as that that new hot dude that's making music right now so it can be good it's healthy you know if it, if it if the music is good but you know if you're just trying to blend in i've seen it a lot where a lot of these older you know veteran mcs try to hop on something like new and trendy and it's like dude that's not you what are you doing like stop so sure that's and i'm pretty sure you've seen that before too with some hip-hop artists oh my god like why are you hopping on that wave you know you you say it's a young man's game but do you feel like that's changing though you know with with uh guys like uh you and the rest of dead and hip-hop who you know yeah you may be older but you know you're still very much uh, one of the uh, more consistent and notable outlets out there when it comes to hip-hop reviews and you guys aren't you know backing down or fading away or anything like that you're keeping your opinions there in the circle just like with uh, a lot of these young kids opinions and and not only that but you know you have artists like uh, two chains and future who do appeal to a younger audience but they are older uh, you have artists like Danny Brown who you know part of his whole backstory part of his whole shtick is that you know he sees himself as old at this point yep. or you know at, le at least at the at, at the release of old and the release of 30 you know age has always kind of been an important thing for him um, you know Kanye West who is you know starting to uh, push for yeah. Um it, it seems like it's it's not as much a young man's game as it used to be no it's not it, it's, it's not because but you know what I think it is too. Sometimes I think, and I and I tease younger, younger, my younger fan base, you know, about this all the time. Like they always get on me, Ken or Mike, for like trying to quote unquote hang on to some of the legends. Like you know, hang on to the Coogee raps. Oh, y'all still hanging on to you know the Redmans. Y'all still hanging on to Raekwon. It's like some of these younger cats are starting to do that with Lil Wayne. Cause like as they see Lil Wayne getting older, like you said, Lil Wayne, Kanye West, these guys are getting older. 
they may not be as or putting out as massive masterpieces of albums that they did in their earlier career. But the younger generation is still hanging on to these little Wayne's and the Kanye West's and all them. And it's like it's like a full circle for me. I, I look at it as like it's like full circle. But, yeah, to answer your question, I do think it's 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 kind of getting out of that because you look at Kendrick Lamar. He's 30 now. Um, Drake. I think Drake is 30 or 31. And I think long as that core fan base is still with you, regardless of your age, I think I think we're seeing I think we're kind of seeing I think we're kind of still seeing like kind of a little bit. Because you still got a lot of young dudes that's still in the game. Like Little Yachty, he's like clearly like what 20, 19, 20 years old. You know, Uzi, so you got a few of them. But I still think, I don't think it's shifting. I don't think it's gonna be like, oh yeah, 35, 40 is cool. But I, I, I do think that, you know, you still got that older group of guys that still kind of got their clear fan base. Because I, I can see Kendrick still doing this to 35, you know. 35 almost 40 and if he's still putting out quality albums we're still going to eat it up regardless of his age i think the young people will too not as if it's a new wave that's coming up final question before i close things up how important is sort of the history of the genre that you're talking about when going into a review you know do you feel like um you know you guys kind of have that on lock do you feel like that's something that is lacking in other reviews or with other reviewers um you know, let me know what you think. Yeah, I think yeah, history is definitely important because sometimes history can give a new fan some sort of like, a, I guess, a, a background. Like if you they want to do a uh, I call this the background check of hip hop. If you want to kind of do a background check, I think when we're reviewing, especially like older artists that's been in the game for 20 some plus years, you know, we always like talk about. Hey, look, this person did this. He worked with this. You know, if you thought this artist was if you thought the artist that you like today, see, go back and listen to where he got this, you know, or create this sound or got inspired by this particular sound or this particular, you know, style of rap or a style of, of trap, you know, trap rap or southern rap or whatever. You know, so I think history hmm. is definitely important, especially dealing with the genre of hip hop, because like I said before, I think it's the only genre where. They don't respect the legends or, or give notice to the legends, you know what I'm saying, like any other genre does. So I think history is definitely important, man, When you go, and especially it just gives a background of that artist. Because for people like me and you, when we're talking about these artists, I think it's great that we give them a background of some, some sort of a small history of what when this artist got started. Where can you check out their stuff at? How they established their style and where they probably got inspired by or influenced by a style. So History is very important, man, in my opinion, especially when it comes to hip-hop culture. And important to bring up in a review, too, yep. yourself. Yep, and it's important to bring up in a review. Yeah, like I said, we, we talked about Coogee Rap, we talked about Scarface, and we went through the history on them. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, you have to know why we were, why we are reviewing this artist and why we put him on such a high standard in the first place. You know, it's like, this guy laid down a certain foundation for, you know, whatever coast, west coast, east coast, sub, you know, down south. You know, if we're going to talk about that, we got to bring that up. You know, it, it's important. We, we feel like it's definitely important because a lot of people are not bringing that up. All right. I want to thank BZ430 for being on the episode of the podcast and sort of having a discussion with me about how to review an album, sort of what goes through his mind when reviewing an album and sort of peeling back the curtain a little bit with the uh, uh, the process uh, of, of sort of doing an album review with Denon Hip Hop. I'm going to drop his YouTube channel, his personal Twitter account, of course, the, the Denon Hip Hop uh youtube account down in the description uh thanks for being on thank man. you man thanks for having me this was this was fun this was awesome